The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. Hi and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. This is a weekly show dedicated to all things Port Adelaide Football Club. I'm your host, Macca19. And joining me again is regular co-host Fishing Rico4. How are you, mate? Very good, mate. How are you? Good, good. Draft day is always good, mate. Um, yeah, I know re- you're excited. That's it. And returning this week are our draft gurus, uh, Janus. Hello. How are you going? Not too bad. That's the way. And also Mission Possible. Hi, guys. Good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. So we've got uh, Janus and Mission Possible back on to discuss our thoughts on both the national and rookie drafts. Obviously, the national draft was last week. Uh, rookie draft was today. Uh, very exciting. How was your draft days? Um, where did you watch it? Um, did you find it at all interesting? Well, I interesting. was at work. You are at work? Yes. So I had to rely on Macca testing me who the <laughs> hell we got. <laughs> oh, some of the responses were interesting. <laughs> oh, dear. Rick, what about you, mate? Where did you watch it? I um, I sat at home and watched it on the box and had to put up with grief from my family about why the hell am I watching uh, something as boring <laughs> as this? And uh, yeah, but no, it was quite interesting to uh, to see who was going to be our much loved number twenty one that we always wanted. But no, I quite enjoyed it. And Janus, what about yourself? I just uh, listened to it on the radio, pretty much, and. Watched it on the website, seeing yep. what everyone was saying. Yep. That would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. That's all right. Um, myself, I, uh, it takes, generally takes me about an hour and 15 minutes to get home from work every day. So I left, uh, left 10 minutes early, um, got stuck behind every grey nomad you could possibly think of, going 70 in 110 zones uh, with no overtaking possibilities, tearing whatever little bit of my hair uh, is left out. Um, got home with about two minutes to spare, chucked the TV on and listened to Andrew Demetrio talk for 25 minutes. So, uh, but I, I really love draft day. It's probably my favorite day of the calendar. Um, it's always interesting to see where, where the players you read about are going to go. Um, just as a bit of a recap for our phantom picks last week, um, we had pick 21 being Darcy Byrne Jones. Obviously we'll talk about him a bit later on. Um, pick 45 was Darcy Hurrigan. Uh, pick 52 was Toby Nankovis, and pick 68 was Luke Buckby. Um, now, we obviously ended up with Darcy Byrne-Jones um, with a later pick, which was fantastic. Uh, two of those went undrafted, and Nankovis went to the Swans, I think, uh, before our second pick at 45. Um, so what we might do uh, is just jump straight into it and have a little bit of a quick discussion about the draft as a whole. Um, now, any surprises before our first pick at all? James Ayesh. I was surprised that he slid to um, number seven. I thought he would have been a bit higher up there. Yeah, I thought he would probably go to the Dogs, but they chose Bontempelli instead. Yeah, well, I thought Mish last week was saying that Bontempelli was still maybe a little bit of a a risk, sort of a pick for that sort of higher-end pick. So um, that's why I was surprised that he slid that far, really. Yeah. It's interesting because Bullies now two years in a row have been prepared to take the risk on their high pick. They did it with Stringer last year, so they've got the track record of just backing themselves in. Yep. That'd be, that'd be an argument against doing it again this year, though, really, wouldn't it? Because, I mean, Stringer was a big 
brute of a lad too, isn't he? He's like early 190s in height, and but injury prone. And you know, you, you would have thought they might have gone down the reliable path this year. Mm. Yeah, um, you can think of it either way. Like keep backing yourselves in, or take it safety. Um, I think the fact that they're very happy with how last year worked out, so. I think they're quite happy to still go down the path. I think if one of them had bombed out, I think you'd find they would have gone more safety. Probably a couple of the interesting picks for me was uh, the pre-draft chatter about Patrick Cripps going to Carlton was spot on. Um, ben Lennon went to Richmond, of course, um, but Cameron McCarthy to GWS. I'm not sure anyone really saw that coming. That was just crazy. Mm. I just can't fathom why they've done it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's unnecessary, it isn't it? All right. I think really, you would have to be playing him as a defender in that team. I'll just sit there and go, why? I think it's pretty. I think it's clever in the fact that I think they're trying to think two, three, four years ahead, um, and the trade value that these guys are going to have, especially if, if I mean, if a couple of them don't make it. So if Jonathan Patton doesn't recover from his knee injury properly, um, I still think. Guys like him and McCarthy will will get quite a bit at the trade table, I would think. What did we pay for Schulz when he came across? Uh, Mitch Farmer. Which was not much, wasn't it? No, that was uh, <laughs> yeah, not much at all. Yeah. Like I would be thinking that if McCarthy is half a well, is it the same sort of? Will he be better or worse than Joe Schulz is in terms of being a key position player? You know what I mean? Like, yep. just because these guys are tall doesn't mean they're actually going to make it or anything like that. They could still... I understand what GWS is doing. They're stacking up and getting every single tall because maybe some of them make them, maybe they won't, and key position players are supposed to have a higher um, trade value. Yep. But that being said, if he's not getting a game and no one can see it, people will just look at him and go, well... We'll give you, I don't know, a second round draft pick or whatever. Yeah. Because there's no quantifiable form that they can point to and say, well, this guy is really good or he's really bad. All you can say is, oh, yeah, pick 14 in this, in this weak draft. So, I don't know. I can understand it both ways, but I've just got a feeling that it's not going to work out as much as they think it will because that's a best case scenario for them. Yeah. I agree there's with you, talk that uh, they picked him because Sydney were going to go bang with uh, the pick straight after. <laughs> and they did it to piss them off. It's a bit of payback for Buddy, maybe. Well, that's, well, that's just stupid, if you're <laughs> thinking along those lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got to look after yourself. You don't worry about what anybody else is going to pick. I still think it's, a, it's an interesting choice because now they've got, what, what uh, Cameron, who's obviously a superstar... Patton could be. They've got Thomas Boyd, now Cameron McCarthy. They've also got Christian Jakes from last year. Um, yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting strategy, and I really look forward to seeing how that's going to work out in about three years' time. Are I can you... only assume that they're thinking in three years' time they're going to be well entrenched in the top eight. They're going to be looking for ready-made players to push them towards being a premiership threat, um, and they're going to have plenty of trade value there to be able to do that. Guess we'll see what happens. The other interesting one was um, was uh, Trent Demont. He slid all the way to pick thirty, and I honestly did not expect him to go past St Kilda at uh, eighteen or nineteen. I am amazed by it, but again, 
uh, this draft's been interesting because if you've you look at the guys who have slid and their skin folds are shocking and it's as if the recruiting departments across the country have gone no if they're not fit we're not going to work on it backing ourselves to get them fit was almost as if they're judging their attitude by their shape of their body when they turn up yep well i would liken it to turning up to an interview for like a job interview in just like casual clothes or something like that instead of wearing a suit if you can't prepare your body right up to this i mean these guys preparing themselves for this day to get drafted and if they can't get it right for that particular day then i don't know if any fitness guy is going to be able to help them get to that level you know like you look at guys i think there's people who um hire coaches to work on like improving their sprinting and things like that um, I don't know. It just seems to me that if that's the case and these guys are presenting themselves in that unfit state for what's going to be their professional career, then I can understand why the recruiting departments will say, nah, sorry, mate, you're not, you're not presenting yourself to work properly. Yep. It's fair enough, too. Yeah, absolutely. There's quite a lot of other sliders as well. I mean, they all seem to come from South Australia. <laughs> That's the problem. I mean, Battersby missed out. Dwayne Wilson missed out. Luke Reynolds missed out. Um, is that hey, Macca. Sort of... Yeah. What about the big slider um, who was in the top 13, Matt Crouch? It was amazing. Yeah, I, I thought he was always going to go to the Crows. It just seemed like harmony that he was always going to end up there. Hmm. Maybe it was designed to be mm. sort of like Dale Garlett with Hawthorne. Mm. Quick question for Mish. Um, it's been highly talked about that this is a very weak draft year. Um, South Australia won the championships. That very rarely happens. Uh, Vic Metro struggled. Um, is the fact that, I mean, the recruiters as a whole, it seems like pre-draft, um, all the non-Victorian kids are, are highly rated and then it seems like draft day comes along and they sort of choke a little bit and then just choose the Vic Metro kids anyway. And it leaves the non-Victorian um, players to slide down the ladder a little bit. Is that something that actually happens or am I just sort of dreaming? Um, I don't think it dreams. You're, you're dreaming it and it doesn't happen, but it does from where you're sitting because... Big footy and such, and our local media builds up our kids higher than they are. Yep. Right. I've seen it year on year out. Where they're talking up this five foot ten midfielder to be first round, and we're just sitting there going, "We don't think you'll even get a rookie list." And yet the media's still pumping him up. Big footy's still pumping him up. So when it comes draft day, he doesn't get his draft. He looks like this massive slider, where he was never in the calculations anyway. So that makes it hard. Um, South Australia, the kids physically don't present themselves as well as the interstate kids, Um, which the side effect of that is South Australian kids that pick up, have generally get picked up, have generally got more upside than the other kids. Just there are not many South Australian kids who have got great endurance bases. Now, I can't see that that's a climate issue. I just think that's how our local footy clubs don't do enough professional work with the kids. Okay. Hopefully that will change soon mm. with the academy and stuff. Yes. Yeah. yes. So, um, 
that's going to be interesting. Uh, so I think this AFL clubs are behind the TAC clubs in their development of their juniors. Now that's a lot of that would be resources too. Someone else I want to quickly talk about is Dale Garlett. Uh, went to Hawthorne at pick 38. Uh, seems like that was a little bit doctored. Um, I know, Rick, you mentioned this about three months ago on the podcast that you reckon uh, Hawthorne would somehow end up with him. Um, and it's actually happened. Psychic ability, Macca. No, they're just, they're just got to, I reckon they've just got a, a game in place that they play with these kids. I mean, they rumour was they did it with um, Cyril Rioli as well and... You know, they just tell him what to say and uh, and then pick him up. I just, to me, he just looked like he was Hawthorne bound all that time ago, and uh, and I guess he was willing to run the risk, um, you know, of the gamble of Hawthorne picking him up because I mean they they could have changed their mind, but um, you know, I mean it's just poor form when uh, you know poor organisers to to meet and interview him and he doesn't even show. It just, to me, it just smells fishy, to be honest. But what can you do? Not much. No, nah, nah, look, I guess at the end of the day, I mean, you're not going to draft someone who doesn't really uh, want to be there. I mean, Ben Jacobs is showing what happens if you if you draft that sort of player. Yep, absolutely. Yep. I, and I, I, just... I saw Garlett play this year, and it was one of the laziest games of football I've seen. And he kicked three goals, and what he did, he looked good, but it was just lazy football. And you sit there and go, well, Horseman is still taking a risk with him. There's no... Just because he's one of the most talented kids going around doesn't mean he's a lay-down was there to make it. Yep. Do some of these guys on their second year, like, tread water in terms of just going through the motions, don't want to get injured, so therefore I'm going to just go through the motions because I know I'm going to get drafted anyway by Hawthorne or whoever? Yeah, uh, well, maybe. Yeah. I think there's the odd kid that goes through the motions and then there's the odd kid that really suffers from GBC is a good 17-year-old and we project so much more improvement in him and when he only improves a little bit or he just does the right amount of work, yeah, downgrade his performance lower than what it actually was because you're yeah. actually expecting more. Yep. Well, look, I mean, the, the talk of Garlett going to Hawthorne has been around for a couple of months at least. Um do you think he was given an assurance at some point during the year? Um, does that actually happen? Do do young players get given an assurance that they're going to get drafted? I know you know there's cases like Sam Colhoun who was told he was going to get picked in the preseason draft before it actually happened. Um, but in terms of the national draft, do we think that um, do recruiters go to uh, kids and say, "Hey, look, if you're going to be there at pick 40, we're going to pick you"? No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Like. Some, sometimes you'd be tempted to, but in this day and age, you just don't know how the card's going to fall. Like, it's really only the day before the draft that the top five find out where they're going to go. Yep. And even then, now the clubs aren't allowed to tell them, but they tell them without telling them type thing. But, yeah, it's like there's no point telling Nathan Freeman you're going to take him at number 10, only to find somehow... Really, James Ace is still available when you're going to pick Ace instead. Like, you just burn too many bridges that way. But maybe with the lower end picks, you know, your second rounders, you, you maybe have a bit more flexibility to, um, uh, to do some sort of deal like that because there's not as much on the, on the line. It's, again, it's, you're playing with fire. 
and you know as a club, if you get caught out trying to get somebody to lay down, your punishment's going to be huge. Like, I remember seeing Ruddy the Ruckman at WA at the moment from Port play an under-15s game. My first reaction was, can we send him back to Streaky Bay? <laughs> Not let him come back here for three years because you just knew he was that good. But there's no way you would go to the kid and say, go back and play local footy. We'll pick you up in three years. I'm not convinced, Mish. I still reckon they're, <laughs> they're up to skullduggery. Well, wasn't Alistair Clarkson in contact with Garlett the whole time, like through the season? That's the rumour anyway. Like he was sending him text messages and stuff all the time. Yeah, that's the rumour that they've been talking to him since, uh, since about March. Yeah, I don't like it. I think it's free agency for people who haven't even earned it. You know, deciding where you want to go and saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to Hawthorne because they want me, because they're a premiership side and I don't want to go to anyone else. It's just, no. You should be grateful for being drafted to any club and not be able to just pick and choose like Rioli did. Yeah, spot on. Exactly. Can't disagree with that. All right, well, let's uh, let's start concentrating on Port Adelaide's picks. Um I think if we were going to talk about it as a whole, you'd say it's a, a unique blend of uh, speed and endurance. Um, we've picked one tall forward and about six flankers across both drafts. Um, before we go into the individual picks, how did you see that draft structure um, panning out for us as a whole? Well, let's look at it. our team at the end of the year. What would you want to improve in our team? A lockdown, a lockdown defender, speed... And who's probably the next player to retire off of our list? Cassisi. And who's the other one? Logan. Oh, I'd say he'd keep playing. He's just going to get delisted before he gets to 30-odd. <laughs> well, Kane Corns. <laughs> yeah. So you've got your two hard, tagger-type midfielders. Now, these guys. So we're after a back pocket, tagger-type midfielders and speed. Well, what have we drafted? Speed and flankers. They can play Tiger types because they've all got endurance. I mean, I, I don't mind what we what we drafted overall. I mean, it's debatable some of the players that we drafted and maybe we could have drafted somebody else. But overall, I, I don't mind the strategy. I, I don't think there was much in tall timber-wise. And as you pointed out today with the, the rookie draft, there's such a low percentage of the forwards make it in the rookie draft, you know, it's it's a high risk. You know, maybe we, we just try to fill those needs and mission's spot on and everyone was crying out for a small defender. So, you know, you've got to roll the dice and pick a few of them and have a look. Some of the boys that we picked up, you know, bloody fit. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. Yeah. Mm. My, my strategy, I was thinking, was going to be, um, obviously speed was a key priority because that's something that really cost us at least a couple of games this year. Um, a, a clearance-winning midfielder was high on my priority and a toll forward. And we've got plenty of speed. We've got a toll forward. I don't think we've got a clearance-winning midfielder. Um, but you never know. Someone like an Impy might turn out to be that sort of player. You also got to factor in, too, that when um, Walsh is working with the midfield, maybe half the problem was the setup That's true. with the clearances and stuff. So maybe... He can- they're thinking to themselves, well, we'll give the guys we've got a year to work it out and see if it's not something in terms of a tactical thing rather than skill level. Because, I mean, I was looking at our list 
um, you'd think most of the people on there, apart from the, the ones that are over 20, 26, 27, have improvement left in them still. Yep. So I'm a, I was thinking about it at the time. I was thinking, oh, why do we recruit all these guys? But I would rather focus on getting a particular position and put get four or five guys who will fill two spots and make sure that we get them right and they've got all got competition, so therefore it improves everyone around them because they've all, or they all know they're going for that particular spot rather than just getting one guy to fill the need and maybe he works out, maybe he doesn't, and he's just gifted games because he's the only guy I can play there. That's right. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So yep. that's what I'm looking at. I'm thinking, yeah, I can understand what they're doing. Target that particular, the, the things that we need, get as many people who can fill that role as possible, and... I mean, with any draft, you're hoping, what, two or three will be good? Because not all of them are going to work out. No, that's right. And then take it from there. Yeah. I think um, also looking at it in terms of list structure, we've got two young guys who haven't played a game yet in uh, Ben Newton and Brendan Archie, who both, I mean, they're probably their key um, playmaking ability is their clearance winning ability. So... Maybe we didn't need another clearance, uh, sort of like a slow, stocky clearance-winning mid um, in this draft because we've already got them there. Well, some people seem to rate Newton fairly highly, so he must have something to work with. Yeah. Well, they're both probably on their last chance. Um, they've been given one-year contracts, so you'd think um, if they don't make something this year, then, then they're gone, I would think. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people uh, were a bit dismayed that we didn't go toll um, with one of our two live uh, rookie picks, but I did the stats today, as Rick mentioned earlier. Um, from, since 2001, there's been 64 rookie list key position fours drafted, and only four of them have been any good. Um, and that's, <laughs> and I'm not even talking superstar level, I'm talking average or better. And that's Satantaro Halpin, who's you know, been borderline for the last 10 years. That's James Poziadley, who failed twice before he got picked up as a mature ager. Uh, Stuart Cramery, who was actually picked as a midfielder before Essendon threw him forward and surprised he could play forward. And also Josh Jenkins, who will probably play a lot of footy for the Crows out of out of a key uh, forward position. So you're looking at a strike rate there of around about 6%, which is pretty diabolical. So you can understand why the club um, and why a lot of clubs choose not to pick Key, to, uh, key forwards uh, with rookie picks. And I wouldn't know how you would pick as a key forward out of this this group. Um, Conlon was the only one, but that would be purely down to medical. Hey, uh, Mish, were you surprised that Frio took Aitness at 17 so high? Because you weren't convinced on him last week. I'm not convinced on him, but um, I'm not surprised because Frio have this lack of forwards and lack of tools moving forwards that they've really got to address. They started to address last year in the rookie draft, but, yeah, that, they just need to draft tools, both ends yeah. of the field. And um, Sandlands is on his last leg, so they need a Ruckman to back up um, Griffin and um, Clark. Now, otherwise they'll find themselves in the position with two Ruckman, and that's why they got Hannah last year. Because they needed that extra body in Ruck. And I think Port would have drafted a player like Hannah this year in the rookie draft if there was one around. Right. There's just no Rucks 
running around the state leagues, which you sit there and think could play half reasonable AFL football. Yep. And did um, our former mate Alan Richardson do the dirty on us with Luke Dunstan, as it was implied this week? On no, no, I don't think so. I think if he took MP, there'd be comments that yes, he did. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Dunstan's been widely picked by just about everybody to go to St Kilda for about oh, at least three or four weeks. Um, Richo's only been there for one. Um, and as the club said, we traded down from pick 14 to pick 21 because we knew that Impey was going to be there. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that's true at all, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think that's looking too much into it. I'm just imagining the people who've lost their minds when we drafted Impey at 21, what they would have done had we drafted him at 14. <laughs> you know, and McCarthy was still there and everything. <laughs> like, what the? Oh, that would have been fun. If that would have picked, been fun. <laughs> I think Impey... We'll, we'll talk about Impey now because we might as well go through all the individual players. We've picked Jarman Impey's from the Murray Bush, Bush Rangers. He's 178 centimetres, 76 kilos. He's a small utility. He can play forward. He played a lot down back this year as well and can play through the midfield. Um, as a player comparison, you can expect to see a bit of Chris Yaron in him. Um, in terms of his physical attributes, he was top 6% in the standing and right running jump. Um, he was in the top 14% in both the 20 meter sprint and the repeat sprints. He got a 13.11 beep test and 11 minute uh, 3 kilometer. Um, and I would say if we definitely picked Impey ahead of Cameron McCarthy, Bigfooty would have uh, been in meltdown mode. Yes. <laughs> but we've got Impey. I, I personally think this is a fantastic pick. Um, at the time, I had my heart set on DeMont. He was there. I was thinking, you know, it, it seems likely that we're going to get DeMont. Then we chose Impey. My first thought was, what the hell is this? And then I thought, well, actually, if I think back, he was probably third on my want list anyway, um, and he fulfills a bigger need than what DeMont would have, in my opinion. I think for the first time for a while, Port, with their first pick, just hasn't gone best available. They've gone the best that fits their needs of the football club, and the best available wasn't that much better that they had to go with the best available. Like. If Aish was still available, they would have gone, bugger what we need, we'll get him. Yep. But, yeah, I don't think there's that big a difference. They've just approached it with, we want somebody who can fill this role. Now, again, a lot of big footy was really suffering because there wasn't any decent footage leaving in. There's nothing to sit there and go, yeah, we hear he's hard and tough. And so on draft night, everybody's disappointed because we just hadn't seen what they were basing their pick on. And I think as soon as Big Footy saw the f- footage that the footy club put up, everybody changed their mind pretty damn quick that, yeah, this kid has something. I know it's a bit cliche, but I think he's got a lot of X factor um, in his ability to run and create from defence. I think he's quite a smooth mover. Um, probably the one aspect which I'm not too sure on is, is his kicking efficiency, which is quite poor at this point. In the footage that I saw, uh, there was one particular play that he did where he actually, um, he didn't just turn around the corner and kick it. He actually held the ball for a bit and made sure the pass was going to hit the guy up in the forward line. 
like he got the ball on the boundary and turned it around and just delayed it just that little bit and then just hit it. Now, um, he could have just turned around and blazed away, but I like the fact that he's got that little bit of um, that bit of poise to actually do that and make sure that the kick is going to do it. So, I don't know, maybe the kicking efficiency is something that, from what you're telling me, he needs to work on, but I think he's got the attributes to get there, if that makes sense. Yep. I think he was working, um, Mish, you might know more, I think he was working at about 58% kicking efficiency this year. Yes, yeah, something low like that. So um, that that depends on where you play too because forwards generally have a lot lower kicking efficiency, in particular small forwards, because they're getting balls, they're crumbing and they're having pot shots at goal with snaps and all that. And kicking efficiency is if you kick a point that's inefficient, well, sometimes I wonder about that. Um, if you're having a snap for goal, at best you're 50-50 chance anyway. Yep. So... Again, it would be interesting to see his footage. I think his kicking needs to be cleaned up, but I don't think it's that sort of level where you get there and go, he's a crap kick and he'll never be a reasonable kick. Uh, I just think he's just got to get sharper with his ball drop. Yep. Definitely fixable. Do we think, from what I can tell, he's got quite a big body. He looks like he can fit in pretty early on in the piece this year. Uh What's our expectations for him this year? Do we expect him to play many games? Ten. Yep, I'd think about that. I think there's a spot for him in the side if he's uh, if he's good enough and fit enough to get in pretty early. Who's he going to force out of the finals team? Uh, possibly someone like Logan or Colhoun, depending on how they go in the preseason as well. Hmm. Aaron, Aaron Young, maybe, as well? It, um, Ken will find a spot for him if he wants him. And the thing that Ken will do is if he thinks he's going to be in the future, Ken will want to try and get six games into him this year. Yep. The same like he did with Colquhoun last year. I want to get six games into Colquhoun, which is what he said when he dropped Thomas. He didn't want to drop Thomas, but he wanted to get the six games into Colquhoun. And you could see the improvement in Colquhoun once he knew he was going to get those few extra games. And he earned his final spot. So I think at some stage next year, if Impey's perform... First thing I want to see is him perform at SANFL level. Make sure that he's an SANFL footballer first. And then, yep, be given those couple of games when somebody goes down injured. Um, let's say Pittard's going to miss his standard month of football. We'll swap him in and see how he goes. All right, on to pick 45. Uh, we wanted a key forward. We got our man, Mitch Harvey, from North Adelaide. He's 196 centimetres, 96 kilos. Um, as a player comparison, I would think a mix between sort of Damon White and Josh Kennedy. Um, now, his physical attributes, because of his draft combine and the glandular fever, they were pretty dire. He got a 3.22 in the 20-metre sprint. He got a 10.3 beep test, which was the worst. And he got a 14 minute 56 in the three kilometre, which was by far the worst. Um, we know he was suffering from glandular fever. Um, Mish, I know you weren't too keen on him last week. Um, why do you think we no. went after Mitch Harvey? Okay, there's a few things. On top of those stats, you got his preseason stats. He ran a 3.11, which showed he actually had okay speed. Yep. He ran a 10.7 beep 
which showed he had no endurance whatsoever. Yep. And a 13-odd-minute 3K. And, again, I just all endurance said, God, this guy is wrong. But one thing to take from what he's done that I've looked at since the draft when I was trying to work out why the hell they went this way, Mitch Harvey was 140 kilos at the beginning of the year, and he's dropped that down to 96. So the kid's much? gone 96. He's lost eight kilos this season during the year. So he's obviously got off his butt and tried to work on his fitness. Right? You just don't lose eight kilos because you're running around not taking anything seriously. Yep. Um, obviously, the main thing for him was to come out and have a good draft camp, and he was crook. You can't debate that he was crook. So you have to ignore what was in draft camps, fitness testing. So the only other thing you can go by is his um, skin folds. He showed up with close to skin folds of 80 in the preseason. Yep. By the time draft camp comes around, his skin folds are down to 45. Well, Which means that guy's done a fair bit of effort. I don't know how much that's going to relate to his endurance base, but it certainly shows that he's going to put the work in. Could that and be I something, think- Mish, that could... You know, he's obviously worked hard to drop the weight and get his skin folds, and maybe we might see a flow-on effect next season where he might be able to get his endurance up and become more uh, competitive in getting a, a spot in the team. I would think, yeah. Yeah, because he's obviously done a lot of work. And again, it's starting to show that he's got the work ethic. So mm. if he's, he's going to come in, he's going to do the work. If they're going to do the work, at least you've got a shot of them improving their fitness base. Um, now they would have also looked at his running during games and they may have and they've seen trainings where they'd have more information about how his endurance has improved at training and stuff like that so they've got a lot more information than what we have as just people going to watch a game of football the thing I like about him um, going on more of a football track is I think he's quite a clean player. He can take a good grab. I think he's got a fantastic kicking action. Very good kick for goal. He's got a lot of football now. Um, do we like his football ability uh, as opposed to his physical ability? Certainly as a lead-up forward in the air and he can clonk it. He knows, he knows the angles. He can split from his full forward. So he's going to be hard to defend in the air. I think ground level he's got a lot of work, but I think a lot of that would be in the past that is all he's had to do is lead up a mark. Yep. So I don't think ground level is ever going to be his strength, but if he's prepared to work, at least he'll have an impact at ground level. Yeah, I just think he gets to work on probably the one percenters and stuff. Like, he, I mean, at SNFL level, you... All he needs to do is just clunk marks and kick goals. That's it. But an AFL forward, you can't get away with just doing that these days. You've got to be able to do things like tackling and forward pressure and all that sort of stuff. So I think with the improvements, improving his endurance, which you would like to think he would have done quite a bit better at draft camp. And if he if he's lost eight kilos and reduced his skin folds by that much, you'd think that there'd be more of an improvement there than what we saw. So that was the glandular fever thing taking to effect. So 
I just think hopefully he can um, improve that side of his game because if he doesn't, and it, all he's going to do is just be that goal square guy who just stands in the goal square and all he does is try and get marks and kick goals, then he might be going the way of Daniel Stewart. Not that he's going to be that bad because at least he can contest a mark, but you know that sort of could have been anything but became nothing. Yeah, I think it's clear but, he probably needs to add an extra dimension to his game in terms of um, sort of repeat leading and leading up the field a bit more. Maybe he can turn into a centre-half forward if he can get his fitness right. Um, because, yeah, if he, if he just becomes a sort of a, a lead mark, you know, forward 25-metre arc player, um, there's not many of them around anymore, um, if there's any at all, to be honest. Um, oh. Even Schulze this year has learned how to uh, to go beyond the 50-metre arc, and he was one of our leading 50-metre inside 50 players this year. So. Josh Kennedy's probably one of the most one-dimensional footballers running around, but he yeah. just presents and presents and presents all day. And he's good mark, and he'll get the job done. Eventually, he'll take the mark, and he'll use the ball. Um, one thing with Mitch is he's actually got quite good agility for his size. So there's a potential for him to actually be quite good at ground level, or, as I said, at least serviceable. Expectations for this year? Um, me, personally, I'm thinking he's not going to get a game. Um or will at all go close to getting a game. I think we'll rely on Butcher and Shaw uh, for that sort of thing this year. I think this year should solely be a development year for him. Um, get into the SANFL league side, stay there, um, and see if he can kick some goals and improve his body um, and his leading ability. I'd be stoked if he kicked 40 sample goals. I'd be absolutely over the moon. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd be stoked <laughs> as well. And again, that's not doing a lot. That's just two goals a game. So that's not setting the world on fire. That's just stepping up to the grade. Yep. Yes, okay. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. He's not good. I would think if he gets a game, then we've got bigger problems than um, what we first thought because that means that neither Butcher nor Shaw is either fit or has come on enough to warrant them getting selected. And that is a problem. That would be a problem. Having said all that, this time last year, if you told me Jake Nade would have played AFL football, I would have laughed at you in the face. Very true, very true. I was thinking he was going to be stuck in the SNFL reserves all year. And he played some absolutely fantastic games at AFL level. His game against West Coast was just, yep. All right, moving on. Pick 52, Darcy Byrne-Jones. Mish got his man. 30 picks later, uh, but he's got it. <laughs> Oakley charges, uh, 181.4 centimetres, 69 kilos. He's a small, rebounding, very quick defender. Player comparison, well, he's almost a carbon copy of Jasper Pittard, even down to the hyphen in his name as well. Um, uh, except he's a lot more competitive. Yes, yes. Uh, physical attributes, a two-second, min- uh, two 94, 20-metre sprint, which was 10th in the draft combine. He finished fourth in the agility test, a 15.2 beep test, which is very elite. He finished fifth there. 24 seconds, 24.06 second repeat sprint, which was second, and a 10-minute flat three-kilometer, which was fifth. So he's pretty much absolutely nailed the draft combine. So why didn't he get picked up earlier? Mish? 
Yeah. I, I would think um, we're making the comparison to Pittard. Pittard's foot skills are better. Um, That's a worry. <laughs> no, P- 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 Pittard's a good kick when he's got time, and he can actually be an elite kick. It's... I think Pittard's still finding his feet at AFL level and these kicking will come through when he gets better. Um, again, Darcy's a lot of, for a lot of people, he's that little bit too skinny. He's around where he'd go, where he's gone. Um, we were saying last week at pick 21, it's a bit of a reach, but it's the type of player we, we were looking for. Um, yeah. Why he's got the three to there, I'm not sure, but I'm happy he has. Maybe we were playing some games. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I like that um, footage of him when he took in those. I think he was behind. When the player's going on for the ball in that boundary, and he took it and then just spun around and dodged past that, going kick the ball out. I thought, yeah, that's the sort of sort of guy we need. Someone with that speed that can close down someone, you know but not only just to tackle them, but actually go get the ball and get it out of there. Because there's been, this season, there was a lot of times when, I mean, I'm all for tackling, but I would rather have the ball first anyway and get rid of it first, you know, because that means the guys, because if you're tackling, it means the other guys have got the ball. And we don't want that. Yeah, I think, one thing with Darcy, it'll be interesting to see Burst's reaction, but I think you'll find he's very strong for his size. He's one of these skinny kids that is actually strong. And he shows Worry. that in his footage where, where he's pushing people at the right time and getting them off the ball, where normally you used to seeing kids his size get pushed off the ball. Yep. That was one thing that I very much noticed about Jasper Pittard's uh, draft video was that he was getting pushed around something chronic, falling over, all that sort of thing. You don't get that with Burn Jones. He looks, uh, as you said, he looks very clever physically. He knows his limitations, um, but his positioning has been very good. Um, his, his when we drafted O'Shea, it was like you beauty. We got somebody who's a real competitor, and I have the same feeling with Darcy. You beauty. We got somebody who's a real competitor. I like this footage, and yeah, I agree. I mean, he's a he's a type of player where. You know, we could put him away for a year or two now and let him beef up and we don't need to rush him into the team maybe like we did in the past couple of years trying to pump development in because, as I said last week and the week before, I'm pretty comfortable where our team's at now. I think, you know, our first 22 is almost there and they are just got to keep developing with time. So, you know, that gives these young fellas, and if we go back to uh, the forward as well, gives them time to actually develop in the SANFL now get their strength up, get their conditioning right and be ready to push for selection. So, I mean, to me it was uh, a no-lose pick, really. His stats look great. He just needs to put on a bit of extra weight and, and then show us what he can, can really do and we've got time to uh, to see that. All right, pick 68. Now, I remember, Mish, last week you said we've got someone in mind because we've delisted Brent Renouf. We've got someone in mind. They're probably going to be from left field, a little bit left of centre, not many people might have heard of him. And then we picked Carl Amon, who probably everybody on our board went, who on earth is Carl Amon? Well, he's, he's from the Sandringham Dragons. He's 181 centimetres, 71 kilos. He's an outside midfielder. Um, player comparison, I think he looks 
quite similar to a Sharrod Wellingham. Um, once he was picked, I checked the draft camp results again and realised, hey, now I, now I remember where I recognise his name from. He got a 2.88 in the 20 metres, which was fifth. He finished fifth in the agility test as well. He got a 14.4 in the beat test. And he was also in the top 15% in the three kilometre as well. Um, so he was another one that really showed something at draft camp in terms of his physical attributes. Didn't rack up a lot of disposals, sort of average disposal numbers I saw in the, the post from REH during the week. So, uh, yeah, and again, a bit of a lightweight, so he's got a bit of work to, to do there. He's definitely a project, isn't he? Yep. Like you wouldn't... You'd, if uh, Harvey's not going to get a game and Ben Jones is not going to get a game, well, then Amon's definitely not going to. Not for probably two years, maybe even a little Well, yeah. Maybe a bit longer than that. It all depends on, uh, obviously, um, injuries and things like that. But... We definitely need outside run. And that, as Mish said at the start of the podcast, someone who's going to replace that um, that tagging role. And if Amon has this agility and endurance, which he seems to have, and he can build it up and he can learn from Kane now when he's over in Dubai and over the coming years, then hopefully we've got that role sorted out for the future. Because you definitely need, I mean, I know someone famous once said, good teams don't tag or something like that. Um, But I think when you're coming up against elite midfields, you're going to want to have that that option there to take one of their midfielders or someone out of the game. Yeah, I think with Amon, they've just seen this kid who is so exceptional with his ball in his hand. He's just elite skills, he's quick, and he can get through and do some magical stuff. I think they'd be quite aware that he doesn't do it often enough. And in a normal draft, he probably wouldn't have got picked. But you're in this draft, you're down that low. I don't think Port need to go for that solid citizen Battersby type who's going to stay on your list for the next seven years but maybe never actually step up and be a good AFL footballer. Whereas I think Eamon's going to be on your list. Within two years you're going to know if he's an AFL footballer or not. Uh, So he's not going to clog your list up. If he becomes an AFL footballer, he's got some serious talent. So I think next year will be all about, mate, you got to find out how to get the ball 20 times a game as the outside mid. He's, he's the one who's, I think they've got for outside speed. Um, the Tager, I think, will, they'll be looking at MP. If he, they'll be looking at MP and Darcy Jones to be down, one of them to do the down back roll, and then one of them to become the tagging midfielder, I would think. Mind you, we've also. Um... Cam O'Shea did a lot of work this year as a tagger. Um, a lot of it went unnoticed, especially in the pre-season. He was following around players like Nick Del Santo. Um, I think he's someone that we might look to the future in that tagging role. I he's agree with you. 
he's fit, he's quick, he's tall, he can take a grab. We saw in the finals how brilliant he is uh, dropping back. Um, we know uh, from the games that we won very late this year that, you know, he is ridiculously fit and can run till the end. Um, personally, I think he's the perfect target. Hmm. Until you get him on a real nippy midfielder, I think. So against those that workhorses like Del Santo, I think he's a great fit. But if you're going to try and get him to tag a Rioli out of the midfield, I think you're really making him work hard. Yeah, but who can tag a Rioli in the midfield? Not many. No, and that's why I think Ken's gone and gone, well, I think short term he wants White to be able to do that, have the speed and endurance and the toughness to go with him with players like that and then I think part of this is I want to draft a kid in who can be very good at that in the future yep alright on to the rookie draft pick 13 we chose Sam Russell from the Geelong Falcons another one that had me scratching my head on who on earth he is he's a 179 centimetre 75 kilo small shutdown defender um, and going by a Going by the minimal footage that we saw of him, um, he looks very much like Sam Colquhoun in running style, kicking style, haircut, everything. Except he's quicker. Yes, very much so. Yep. Um, and he's a baby. This is one I'm very intrigued about because obviously they've uh, they've scouted him for a reason. We've picked him up for a reason. Um, we've noted that he's, uh, he's only made the draft by two days. Um... It's a very interesting pick. Again, they've gone for X Factor. They haven't gone safe. They've identified, again, quick endurance. He did a 13-13 beep at state screening with a sore hamstring. Hmm. So you sort of sit there and go, I wonder what you can do when you actually fit. <laughs> um, and again, as you said, a couple of days younger, he's in next year's group. He'd play midfield in the TAC and they'd probably go pick 40 in next year's draft if his season had progressed, like you would think. He's played a lot of college football on a wing, so that would be interesting to see how much of the footy he got at that level because he racked it up there. Obviously, Geelong Falcons, he's played in a back pocket and probably his own worst enemy of good. You can go stand their best full tall forward because you're actually standing where they try the other kids and they'll go play their own football. So the coaches stick them down there rather than running them through the midfield. I just hope we give these boys time. You know, I think where a lot of people on the board and just in footy supporters in general were just really keen, two years, bang, oh, I haven't seen them, let's burn them off and let's try another one. And, you know, you're talking about another one like Sammy C, the you know, underage players and Brendan Archie. And, you know, we've got to give some of these boys... Uh, you know, a good three or four years to physically develop uh, to have an opportunity to play AFL. And, uh, you know, not everyone's a freak of nature like Wingard and, and Wines that can, can play straight away from the get-go. And, uh, you know, we're, we've just got to sometimes, uh, you know, pull ourselves in when we're trying with our expectations and, and just look at them objectively and, and give them time and hopefully... We as supporters will do that and uh, and we'll see the benefits of those in, in four years. As Jana said before, you know, you, some of these players, you've got to wait three years before you really see them, hopefully. Yeah. I think, 
I know there's been a lot of uh, conjecture about this pick on the boards and sort of why have we gone this? You know, we overlooked James Battersby. He was there. Me personally, I really like James Battersby as well. Um, I would have loved to have picked him up. But look, for every, you know, highly rated pick who ends up sliding and missing the draft and everyone goes, oh my God, I can't believe he missed out. And then you overlook him in the in the rookie draft and goes, oh my God, this is such a massive mistake. But look, for every Aaron Davey and Daniel Pierce who are highly rated kids that went early in the rookie draft and, and made a big career for themselves. You know, there's a Rory Kirkby or a Ryan Jackson or a Todd Grimer or a David Gordas, Casey Sibisato, uh, Waylon Manson, Roland Archie, Tom Hurley, all these guys that were highly rated, expected to go top uh, in the top sort of two rounds in the draft, um, and no one's ever heard of them again. You know, so there's no guarantees that someone like Battersby is going to make it at AFL level. That's just yeah, my exactly. little rant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is true. I mean, when you're looking at you're looking at a rookie draft. So, how many picks were live in the national draft? Seventy something. So not just even being, that. I don't think this year. Not even that. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah, whatever it was, it was a high number at least. And all these clubs had passed over Battersby for one reason or another and said, "No, nah, this guy's better. This guy's better." Better than him, better than him. And when you get to a rookie draft, I don't. Unless you think you are going to win a premiership in the next year or two, um, I would be. I'm of the opinion that the rookie draft you use to either pick, it's speculative, speculative picks, guys that aren't going, that might make it, might not. But if they do make it. It's going to be fantastic. That's why you hear all these stories. Oh, this guy came from the rookie draft, you know, because obviously some some clubs didn't rate something about him, and he worked on it because maybe that was the kick up the bum that he needed to pull his finger out and say, "Hang on, you've actually got to work on this particular thing to make a success as an AFL player." Um, as Rick was saying before, we've got to give these guys time, but the thing that you want to see every year is improvement every, like in terms of how they're playing and stuff. If they're stagnating, um, then that's the time after two years. If they haven't shown anything at all, then you can say, well, get rid of them because obviously they haven't um, applied themselves. But as long as they're showing improvement, then I'm all for picking guys with that bit of an X factor, you know, because I think, I think we've got enough players that can do that, the solid role, and at an elite level, but we don't have any guys who could really, not many guys who can really turn a game. Like, you got Wingard, and maybe Gray. Yep. But not all the rest of the guys are just, I mean, they're solid and good. Like, I love Travis Bogue. He's a great player, but... I'd ever, I never. Mean, I suppose he did on that showdown. See, I'm thinking of the ten clearances he had, or whatever it was, in that last quarter. That was turning the game. Yep. But you know what I mean, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, rookie drafts are people who um, have that X factor, in my opinion. Fair enough, too. Again, yeah. when you when you're drafting, you should be looking for somebody who can play football on grand final day. Not somebody who will hold up and end three rounds five to seven in the middle of winter or whatever. Um, just, yep, yeah, 
So, and this this draft, like, you sit there and you you talk to people in the know, and they they get there and go, they were going to the draft table with twenty five players who they thought were actually draftable in this draft. The rest of them are all rookie type picks, whereby they're starting to stretch and pick at straws. Like where normally they'd be sitting there with going in into a draft thinking there's thirty five guys in this draft that are draftable. And that's how thin this draft was. So there wasn't gonna be too many picks where we'd be sitting there going, New beauty, we've nailed it. Alright, moving on. Pick twenty nine. Uh we picked a familiar face, uh, for Port Adelaide supporters, Sammy Gray from the Port Adelaide Magpies. <laughs> He's 176 centimetres, 75 kilo, uh, small midfielder or forward. Um, player comparison, he's very similar to a Jeremy uh, Clayton. Um, he's a prolific ball winner at SANFL level. He won the best in fairest. He was second in the McGarry. Um, he averages 25 touches, seven marks, and almost a goal a game at SANFL level this year. Um, how do we see him fitting in? And whereabouts do we think his AFL capability might be? Sorry. I can't see him... I honestly can't see him making it as a midfielder at AFL level. I think he might have a chance as a forward pocket or a, or a flanker because it, he is very clever around goals. He's He's got fantastic foot skills um, across short to medium distances. I think he can sort of telegraph and get up and under um, some long kicks that he does. Um but you can't deny his, uh, his ability to actually find the footy. Yeah, he's a, he's a strange one because you look at him and you get there and go, where are you going to play? You're not quick. You don't, these small forwards these days, we generally work on elite pace. Gray hasn't got elite pace. No. So you sort of sit there and go, well, if we just look at that angle of it, he's not going to make it a small forward. Midfield, you can get away without great pace as long as you know how to find the footy, which Gray knows how to find the footy. But to get in the midfield, he's got to be better than Boke, Hartlett, Ebert, Wines, Cassisi, Corns, and on and on and on. Like, so you sit, sort of sit there and go, well, that elite group of midfielders, you can't see him breaking into it. Having said that, I'm ecstatic that they brought they rookie-picked another port boy with their last rookie pick. That's three years in a row they've done that with their last rookie pick. Yep. The thing I'm looking at it is not so much Gray as a player. Like, I think I agree with Mac in terms of he will need to work up forward if he's going to be anywhere. But I'm thinking long-term in terms of if players from other places can see that there's a pathway to getting an AF, being on an AFL list with a rookie, even if it's a rookie pick, right? You can say that if you're the best player at the, at the Magpies, you will get picked up by Port Adelaide. Then it stands to reason that it'll, it'll improve the players that we get for the academy, if that makes sense. Yep. So we, so we borrow, borrow a line from Ken and say they'll get what they deserve? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Get what they deserve, you know. But um, so, with this year, you think to yourself, "Well, why did we pick Sam Gray? He's not going to be anyone else out in the midfield, and he might not make it up as a forward." But I'm thinking into the future, 
there might be players who will be like that, and the reason why they're like that is because they've looked at the setup that we've got and said, hey, I could see that Sam Gray's been promoted from the seniors to an AFL list, and he had his shot. So therefore, that could be me in a couple of years' time or whenever. So I'm looking at it from that sort of perspective rather than just the player itself. I mean, I could understand people say, oh, it's a charity pick and it's a waste of a pick or whatever, but it's only a waste if all you're looking at is either Sam Gray's not going to make it, which I think he still could if he works at it, but also the other side of it too is um, there might be someone in the young in the uh, youth ranks who's actually quite a decent player, you know, and they've, they've looked at that and said, yeah, I'll go play for Port Adelaide because they seem to support the players that they've got. Whereas you take a look at the guys across the road or down the road or wherever they are, um, they're picking guys from anywhere and it shows because there's, no, there's not that structured pathway in terms of actually, you can actually see, it's like, oh, yeah, if I do this, then I'll get to here, and if I do this, I'll get to here. It's just like, pick players from wherever. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I do like that. I think it's a good good strategy to have, and and will hopefully pay dividends in the future. Yep. Mm. And the other thing with Gray is his mature body, he's worked his butt off for four years. For the first time in his life, he's going to get in a full-time footy environment. So he's got the work ethic. Some of these guys from state leagues get into the full-time environment and they grow another leg. Right? They can take their game to another level. So you're just hoping that that happens with him as well. There's plenty of success stories from uh, from state leagues who've, uh, who've missed out on a number of drafts, come in and played some really good footy. Um, you've only got to look at someone like Josh Marnie for Port Adelaide um, who ended up winning a premiership and was a leading goal kicker and he, you know, he was a fantastic state league player for a number of years before he got given another shot at AFL level. Yep. Um, well, Cullinan's another one who busted his gut at state league level and everybody kept saying he was too slow, too slow for AFL football. Well, yep. he got to AFL football and he proved he wasn't too slow for it. Now, the next pick we chose, we'll talk about it, I guess, briefly, was uh, pick 44, Brent Renouf. Uh, we promised him another spot on the rookie list. We did it. Um, are we happy with that? Yes. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Had to do it. Yep. Yep. The, the kid can still play. Some of his games last year were quite good. Right. Yeah, he had a great showdown. Oh. Uh, the first showdown, he was fantastic. Yep. So if they can get his body right, we got three class Ruckman. I think uh, I think Renouf's a very good Ruckman. I think my only issue with Renouf is that if we play Renouf, we can't really play another Ruck. Because all he can do is ruck, whereas Loby and Redden can play forward um, and are much more physical, physically capable of, of playing a different role. Whereas with Renouf, he's much more of that sort of old dinosaur. You know, all he can do is tap the ball and that's about it. Yeah, and you're judging a Renouf that's on one knee for the last four years. So that's what I mean. If they can get him right, he can be a real good ruck. He won't be as good forward as Redden because Redden's going to be a good forward. Um but yeah, I think to have a Renouf as your third ruck is going to be a great asset. Yep. And very briefly, we've spoken about him before on this podcast. Um, we picked him up a few weeks ago, but we mu- I guess we made it official now. Uh, Daniel Flynn, how do we see him fitting in? 
exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing him, another fast-based endurance uh, guy, but I just really, I'm a big fan of the Irish players, the ones that make it. They they seem to have, um, talking about X-Factor, Mish, they seem to have a bit of X-Factor, and uh, I'm really keen to see what he can produce for us. Ridiculously fit, ridiculously quick, and ridiculously good skills, I think, um, going by his draft combine results. So I've, I think he's the real X factor of our draft of our draft year. If he comes good and can play consistent AFL football, that is a massive win for us. Yes, I've actually seen his game against the AIS. So it's interesting watching a kid run around with his talent when he had no idea what he was doing. Like <laughs> basically, it's his first game of football, and he's playing the AIS kids. Like these guys, kids know what they're doing. They plonked him in the middle. If he knew how to tackle, he would have laid 12 tackles for that game. He just, again, his tackling is soft because they don't do tackling in their game. So obviously they've got to really work on that side, but his instinct to tackle was all there. His just technique was shocking. So you get this midfielder. He's, cause he could get to where the ball was. He wasn't having problems getting to where the ball was at stoppages. So that's a big plus. When he got the ball, his instinct was you run on football, as you can imagine from their football. It's just instinct. Give and run past and for the second ball and all that. So he's got, and he's got the spread and all that instinct in his football. His kicking, even back then, was precise, well-weighted. So, yeah, um, he's just got to adapt to the physical side of the game football, I reckon. Get in the sand pit in preseason. He'll be right. Well, I think that, I think they'll enjoy it. <laughs> it. Well, considering how much our tackling improved this year, like that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like we went from a crap team that just get brushed aside to people laying some of the most brilliant tackles in it. But he, almost Ollie Wine set the scene in the first game when he grabbed Road and drove him into the ground. It was like, yep, we're on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Flynn's got to have 12 months in the sample just to find his feet without pressure. And all of a sudden, if he does come good before the season, well, well and be it, that's bonus. But you really just want to get him up to football speed and you want to be giving him good minutes. So you don't want to be playing him as a sub in the AFL where he's only going to get a quarter of football or something like that. He needs to get as many games of footy into him at the moment as he can. So we're thinking it's just educating him on how to play, like, the tactical side of footy? Yeah. That yep. I think he's a long-term yep. project. Yep. You know, looking at sort of 2016 onwards, I think, with Flynn. Yeah. I would be he's hoping on... for 2015, but next year you just write off and go, it's your development year, mate. Then we're yep. going to start yep. putting the heat on you to perform. So I was just getting excited when you were talking about him. <laughs> About the speed, uh, <laughs> the skills and stuff, and thinking, oh, yeah, this yeah, sounds really yeah, good. You but... can see it coming, but it's still... AFL's a bloody tough sport. So mm. to, to get there from having played two games of AFL in Europe and expect them to get there, get to AFL standard within 20 weeks, that's... He's going to be a sensation if he can do that. Right. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Just like Jake Need was never going to play round one. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, but anyway. 
Is it a bit disappointing? I, I, I think... Uh, you go, Rick. I was going to say, is it a bit disappointing that we didn't um, target one of those American uh, basketballing rookies that came out and did some trials? No, no. I, I'd hate to see how bad their foot skills are. Like, unless I, you showed me evidence that they could really kick, I'd just be happy with what we've got. You don't think they'd be able to pick it up quick enough? Kicking is a bloody hard thing to do. Like, yes, it is. There's, there's a lot of AFL footballers that still can't bloody kick. Yep. So, yeah, just to come... One, one of them's named Jasper. <laughs> Steady on, he's not that bad. Leave him alone, man. Don't start, don't get me going, Macca. Leave Jasper alone. That's right. Yeah. Poor Jasper. Sorry, Jasper. Oh, come better. on, everybody was going to delist Cameron O'Shea 12 months ago. True, very true. Absolutely. So, as a draft as a whole, how do we think we went? Clearly, we, we went in with speed as a focus, with sort of someone that can play down back as a focus. Are we happy with who we've got? Considering we couldn't go to the draft table and pick up a top 20 pick, so you couldn't pick up a player that you get there and go, yep, we've certainly got somebody who can play. So no matter who we picked, it was going to take effort. We got our top 20 pick with Polo, really, in effect. Mm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, so with, I look at it. So I sit there and go, I think we approached it well. We've, most of the kids have got speed. Most of them are competitive. Most of them can kick. Yeah. So they've got a chance to make it if they're going to put the work in. So I like it. It's an interesting one with me. I can see, I can see it going down the same path as 2004, where in three years' time none of them are on the list. But I, I can also see a big future in all of them. I think they've got their own sort of niche. I think all of them, I think Impey and Burn jones are going to be uh, very competent AFL footballers. I think Harvey, if he can get his fitness up, is going to be a very competent AFL footballer. Eamon's got a bit of X factor, um, a bit of an unknown. Um, and then we've got Russell and Gray as well. So I think we've done pretty well. Yeah. 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 Um, for, what we, for what we had, I think it's probably the best we could have hoped for in terms of if we've gone to the draft and looked at it for needs rather than best available and said, I mean, I like the fact that we got there and we focused and we said, yep, right, this is what we need. And you could see it. You could almost rattle off before these guys were picked. If you had a list of the guys on the on the board and you said, okay, this is the attributes of this particular player and this player and this player, you'd say, all right, this section here, this is what we're going for, all these guys underneath this list, you know, because they've all got that speed. They've all got the endurance. They've all got... Um, that bit of X factor about them. So I think, yeah, for what we had, it was pretty good. I know other people will disagree and say, oh, we should have got this guy or that guy or whatever. But like you said, Macca, in a couple of years' time is when we're going to know whether it worked or not. I'm confident it's going to work. But I think if you take just names out of it and you look at the player styles that we picked, I think we've nailed it mm. in terms of we've clearly gone in with this is what we need and this is what we've definitely got out of it. So mm-hmm. very much looking forward to seeing how this draft year goes. Yeah, the best thing about this time of the year, 
all new kids, all new fresh, fa- fresh, fresh faces, and they've all given us a bit of new hope, haven't they? Well, that's it. And that's why I look forward to drafting. And guess what? Really? No mini draft. Yay! <laughs> hey, all and we did. Thank God. Thank God, no one has to go to bloody North Adelaide again. And um, no one actually made reference to the fact with the AFL draft this year that it didn't go back from 10 to 1. Thank God for that. Yes. Yep. True. All right. Well, I think we've, we're done. I think we're finished. Now, Maka, yep. don't lose it this yep. week. <laughs> <laughs> I do apologise for everybody out there. The recording is done. My computer has not shut down just yet. I'm going <laughs> to finish this really quickly so it doesn't happen again. Oh, please tell me, Rick, you're doing a backup. Well, you never sent me the details. Oh, my goodness. This is a disaster waiting for <laughs> Send me the details and I'll back it up, mate. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, Janus, thanks for coming on again, mate. Great to have you on. Thank you for having me. It's fun. We'll get you on again soon. Mish, you as well, mate. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Maka. Rick, as always, where are the fishing tips? Uh, fishing tips are... Plenty of yellowfin whiting are being caught at the moment, so get on to those. And also the gar and the tommies are starting to come on the bite. And just remember with the gar fish, a lot of people fall into the trap of just leaving a, a burly pot in and uh, and then what happens, the gar actually fill up quite quickly. So a lot of the tips with a few of the fishes out there is uh, once you've got the, the gar around, just um, take your burly pot out and actually uh, have a rag soaked in tuna oil and chuck that into uh, just over the side of the boat tied to a rope or something and just create a stream with the oil and that should keep the gar around and not overfill them so uh, you have more chance of getting them on the hook because sometimes people complain about garfish being very hard to uh, catch. That can be one of the big reasons. Great stuff. Pleasure. All right, guys, until next week, go the power. All right, mate. Go the power. Ah, Pam. Yeah.